Hello Rip Ticket Show listeners, Jack here. Now just a quick heads up, this was recorded on a completely new setup that we're still very much figuring out as we go along. So if I sound a little bit quieter than usual, or if Dan sounds a little bit louder than usual, that's because we are basically figuring out better ways to stream the audio for our Facebook audience. So bear that in mind over the next hour or so uh, as we take you in to this week's Rip Ticket podcast. It is Sunday, April 5th. It is three o'clock. If you're watching live on the Facebook page, welcome along to this week's Rip Ticket Podcast. Joining me, as ever, is my partner in crime, one and only Mr. Dan Carver. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you are keeping well during these weird, wacky times. I know. It is really strange, isn't it? It is. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, of course, we have Mr. Jack Smith of the Jack Smith. Uh, this is a bit of an exclusive. Tomorrow night we're relaunching the jacksmith.com. Big one for the blog. There we go. Well, thought I'd announce it on Rip Ticket before uh, giving the game away on tomorrow night's journal, <laughs> but still. Um, yeah. We're going to be with you for the next, I don't know, maybe hour uh, talking all things film. I believe Dan's got some more streaming recommendations and things to binge. I do. I have my, my, my box sets of the week, I guess it's become. Um, <laughs> uh, this one's a bit of a one because you can't stream it. You have to go and buy it with actual money. But trust me, it's, it is worth it. Trust me. Oh, if it comes from you, it's definitely worth watching. And I will also be looking at how Hollywood is responding to the whole coronavirus crisis, what they're doing, how they're trying to support the cinemas. It is... Quite a, quite a good show, Fix told. We've got both ends of the spectrum covered. So, without any further ado, let's, let's get on with it, shall we? Um, so, so. <laughs> so, what are we going to do first, then, Jack? Are we doing my box set first? Uh, yeah, we'll do your box set first, and then I'll cool. talk a little bit, because I watched the first episode of Avatar uh, on your recommendation this morning. And how was it? I actually really enjoyed it. I can sort of see what you said about the animation being top class. It, it did mm. remind me of the heyday of um, Go Saturday Morning Kids cartoons that a lot of us used to watch when we were younger. I'm surprised yes. we didn't have anything like that in in my day. You had you had all the good stuff. We did. We 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 nineties kids had the great stuff. In fact, actually, one of the stuff I've got comes from the nineties. It's another cartoon, but it is not for kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Not. If you watch, if you let your kids watch this, you're either wanting to punish them or you're a bad parent. So, uh, write into the Rip Ticket Show to tell us which one. But um, we've got email address now. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, so my box set of the week uh, was so. Back in around about the 90s, there was a comic book artist called Todd McFarlane who created his own comic line, Image Comics, because he was sick of having no creative control over the characters that he was drawing and, and creating. And, of course, he created that character called Spawn. Everyone knows the 90s Spawn movie, which came out, which was essentially a Saturday morning cartoon on steroids. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, I didn't enjoy it. It was, it, was Michael, it was meant to be Michael J. White's vehicle into the mainstream cinema. Didn't exactly work out at all. It was just lots of bright colours. They, they tried to stuff so much in. This was back in the days when Hollywood still hadn't cracked 
the comic book movie yet. But very few people surprisingly know of the Todd McFarlane Spawn cartoon series that ran through 1997 through 1999, and it was aired on HBO, stands for Home Box Office Only, folks. HBO doing a cartoon series, that's very rare. It is extremely rare. So because it was on HBO, they obviously got a bigger budget than normal, and essentially... This was like if if you think of the, the the movie as this just orgy of color and gunplay and cheese, this cartoon Todd McFarlane's Spawn was the complete opposite. It was a melodramatic, gothic superhero or super antihero cartoon series, very much aimed at adults and. Ooh, was it good? There were three seasons. You had Todd McFarlane season one, season two, and then season three, the ultimate battle. And let me tell you now, this is one of my favorite cartoon series for adults that I've watched ever. Um, it's really cool as well, because now seems to be the perfect time to promote this cartoon and say, go out there and watch this, because we're getting a slew of adult comic book superhero movies like Deadpool, Logan, Joker, and there's more talks about bringing like the dark, you know, the, the, the um, Batman's rogues gallery now to the big screen, which I've got a few mixed feelings about. But honestly, one movie they need yeah. to make again, and they need to watch this cartoon back to front all the way through to get it right, is Spawn. So to give you an idea of what the plot is about, it centers around the story of an ex-Marine Lieutenant Colonel named Al Simmons. He, he was a commando and a government assassin in covert black ops. And one day, he wakes up, no memory of who he is, in this black... Uh, weird suit with a red cape and he, he realizes quite quickly he has no memory of anything that's happened whatsoever he has somebody uh, next to him this clown like figure who is very sadistic who is called clown the clown and on the other side of things he has a homeless man who is telling him look everything's going to be okay you know you've got to stop raging at the world you've got to you know, reclaim your humanity. And so Spawn is caught in the middle as he's trying to regain his his memories. He pieces together bits. He remembers that he has a wife called Wanda, who he loves very much. And he realizes that his wife has got married to his best friend, uh, Terry. And then he realizes he's been dead for five years. And he realizes he's got all these weird superpowers. He's able to create chains from his suit. He's able to move great distances through the shadows. He is an imposing figure, and he's dubbed Spawn by the, the, uh, the clown. And the three seasons we watch as Spawn grapples with his humanity as he is trying to figure out what should he do. Should he continue to be this, you know, this gruff, horrible person who shuns everybody use the shroud that he has his his cloak which gives him all his powers should he use it as a means to protect those around him and regain his humanity he doesn't know and Todd McFarlane Spawn first off the first thing you notice about this is the animation is incredible this is some of the best quality animation I've seen it holds up still it was in the 90s 
worked through from 1997 to 1999, and it still holds up to this day. It is just amazing. And then you have the voice work as well. This is Keith David. Keith David, who was a staple for 90s kids because he starred in things like Gargoyle, the um the cartoon. Did you ever watch that, Jack Gargoyle? Uh, I uh, don't I, think I did. I I, I was of the oh Bob the Builder. I do know that. <laughs> I, I um I I'd say the things are compl- uh, no. <laughs> um, very much so. Gargoyles. It was another. I mean, check out Gargoyles. Still good, but Keith David. Honestly, he is incredible. In, in this um, in this role, his voice is spawning, is gruff. It's it, it, he sounds dangerous. Keith David makes Spawn come alive in this um, in this cartoon, and then of course you have John Raftery as Jason Wynn, who is this mysterious government um, high up, who essentially bear with me two ticks. Um, Sorry about that. So you have um, John Rathley as well, who stars as Jason Wynn, who he's an, he, he's he's a brilliant voice actor. He's narrated hundreds of audios books. He's got a rich, smooth voice, and it's perfect um, for this role. And in, in John Rathley in this one, he plays uh, like Jason Wynn, who is this a high up person in the government he's got a lot of fingers he has a lot of pies he he's very fond of of blackmail and bribery and extortion and oh gosh John Lee plays Jason Wynn to a per- you really do feel like he is extremely dangerous now as things build up uh, in the alleyways that spawn hangs out with all the homeless people he gathers um the attention of the police and that includes um Twitch, voiced by Michael McShane and uh, his partner, uh, Sam and Twitch. And let me tell you, these are two of my favourite characters. You have Sam Burke, who is a big, gruff, big, fat police officer who is kind of like a cowboy cop in a sense. But then you have Maximilian Twitch Williams, who is a small, wheezy guy, voiced by Michael McShane. And... The way he sort of speaks is very, very eloquent and very to the point and by the book. And the two characters go very well towards each other as you suddenly realize that they're colliding with Spawn because Spawn is leaving a mess of, of bodies in his wake as he's attempting to defend what's his and get back in contact with Wanda. And the first season, check out the first season, you have to buy the box set. They right. did condense all these into a movie. But the issue I found with that was that they cut off a lot of things from the TV series, a lot of subplots, which made uh, which were absolutely fantastic. They cut them out, and they also cut out some of the violence as well, and you can definitely see where the cuts yeah, are. Yeah, so it's obviously they butchered the cut in order to make sure that the original form was to its best. Well, essentially what they wanted to do is they wanted to release the, the three seasons as free straight-to-TV movies, which they have done and you can find. But you should also, instead of going for those, I would highly recommend going for the box set. Go for the box set, go for the individual episodes, watch those episodes because they are brilliant. The uncut episodes, there's only one episode which I was like a bit here about in season one, which is essentially a murderous 
uh, has kidnapped a young boy and he's chucking grenades around and it doesn't really fit into anything that happens. It's more of a filler episode, but that is the only filler episode out of three seasons. And that episode is still pretty good. It's still scary. I accidentally came across this as a child. It was on, I think it was on Toonami, uh, the old Toonami, um, which was obviously cartoon. It was a cartoon that yeah. they brought all the anime and all that stuff onto Toonami. And then in they had Toonami um, uh, Prime Time, I think, where they had all the adult animation. And this is what I thought Spawn. And I was quite young, and it was really, really scary. And I turned it off because I was like, I, I, you know, it just terrifies me. Went back to it a few years um, ago, and I was completely mesmerized from start to finish. This is absolutely brilliant. Now, the reason I say go for the box set, because yes, there has been some there have been some people that have uploaded links to YouTube. No, I'm not gonna tell you to go and watch them. No, the we're all about supporting the artists involved here. Exactly. And here's the reason why. With all these wonderful adult superhero movies coming out and looking at a different ethos of comic books. Uh, comic bookdom there's a sequel series it's called spawn the animation it's been planned it was started production back in 2004 and keith david um has said he, he was going to reprise his role as spawn and it's currently being in limbo not really sure um no one's really sure what's happening uh, as of 2019 mcfarlane has states he plans on doing two animated shows of spawn one for children which is really really weird and the other one for adults which is really really good yeah. and there's also going to be another live action movie um which i'm, I'm not entirely too sure what what to think about that i, I really do think if they're going to make an animated movie with spawn they need to do it in three parts it needs to be a, the world's first superhero trilogy movie in the sense that it is one long that one long flowing continuous story not three individual stories but i am all on board for a new animation and now more than ever, like you said, at the RIP ticket, we are here about supporting artists. We need to support stories like this. So please, if you are going to check out Spawn, which I would highly recommend, do it. Okay, it is a fantastic TV series. You need to go to your local um, your Amazon webpage or whatever, and you need to find the box set for it, and you need to buy the box set. Buy the, buy, if you can find the box set, get it. If not, stick with Spawn 1, 2, or 3. I, I, I don't know. Um, because the more people that watch this, the more people that buy um, HBO's Spawn, then Todd McFarlane can use that as a justification and say, yeah, okay, look, all these people, they're what they're what they're buying my new TV, they're buying my old TV show. This is obviously a good thing. And on top of that, with the age of social media as well, it's a case of people will then talk about it on Twitter. That's how a lot of the old Netflix shows got renewed in the first place. These big yeah. fan-mounted campaigns to bring shows back. I think, could we be on the verge of seeing a, a Spawn campaign on the back of this podcast? Hopefully. <laughs> I would be absolutely fantastic. I would be absolutely gobsmacked if we did. Um, I honestly think a Spawn live-action TV show, well, a cartoon TV show, if they released Spawn again as a cartoon, which went right back to the beginning, or even did a sequel, um, and they, they released the first three seasons on Netflix, and they carried on with season. And, and a word of warning now, right? A slight spoiler to the end. Word of warning ends on a cliffhanger, and I absolutely hate it when that happens. Basically, what happened was when the season three cliffhanger came about, HBO changed hands 
uh, the new manager was like, I want to focus on live action crime, crime dramas. They created The Sopranos, yeah. they created things like that, Wire. And Spawn got left in the dust. They were like, no, no, there's no room for Spawn. Sorry. So we got cut. And I was very, very upset when I got to the cliffhanger because it was perfect. It was an, the season three. season So season, Spawn season one was brilliant. Season two was absolutely incredible. And then season three was brilliant, not as good as season two, but it was still absolutely brilliant. And, you, and, and the way they build it up to the end of season three, like, oh, I can't wait. What happens? We need to know what happens. And I would be really happy if they released all three seasons on Netflix and then they released a cartoon of it on Netflix as well. I think, honestly, that's the best way forward. And of course, we, we know Netflix have got the attraction at the minute, basically, with everyone watching their services uh, for infinity, as far as we know. <laughs> uh, whether they will be able to renew it, I'm, I'm, I've got me little notes here. It did win the Emmy in 1999 for outstanding animation for longer than one hour. So yep. it does have that awards quality to it. Well deserved as well. The animation is absolutely crisp. Here's the thing on season so season one, we see a little bit of spawn, but in season two and three, we do not see Spawn's full body. He is constantly cloaked in shadow with his red shroud. And let me tell you, this is the best superhero cape you will ever see. It is amazing. And we don't see his body at all. He is cloaked in shadow with this cape billowing around and two green eyes from this black orb, which is basically his face. And what a sight. It, it was a brave decision for that to happen. And it worked because you look at Spawn and it's like, wow, you get a sense of otherworldliness here. So that is my box set of the week. Do not let your kids watch this, though. It is very violent, lots of swearing. Uh, there is themes of uh, sexual violence, uh, violence against minors, lots of swearing and demonic stuff, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Just don't, don't let your kids watch it and, and, unless you want to really scare them. Yeah. And, if it was a yeah. film in the current climate, because I know the current BBFC guidelines quite off by heart, it would be an instant 15. Instant mm -hmm. 15. Definitely. Uh, so, I know we technically got two streams going today. Dan's doing it on his end, and I'm doing one on the main Rip Ticket Mother page, as I like to call it. So, if you've got any questions, get them in now, if you're watching live, and if you are listening in the podcast. Might as well rattle off the ways you can get involved. You can Facebook us, facebook.com forward slash Rip Ticket Show. Twitter is at ripped underscore ticket, and you can email us ripticketshow at gmail.com. So fire any questions while we're here. Yeah, man. Give us all five stars and everything. And if you have any um, constructive criticism as well, fire it that way as well. Ways to improve the show. Because I mean, I'm, I'm new at this, so yeah, I need to know. I'm one who's done podcast weekly for 19 weeks anyway, so... <laughs> There you go. So only my second ever podcast. So yeah, I did 19 episodes of talking smith about films. So it's the first time I've done it live. So how's it going so far? I'm actually enjoying it. It feels like I'm back in our old job, back in the post studio because I've got my cart wall, I've got my monitoring, I've got everything. It's brilliant. Oh bless. Oh, I do miss me old. To be honest, I know. But, uh, I, I shall return yeah, when we, all this. We will be back bigger and better than ever. Fingers, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Indeed. I mean, I know. So, no, I'll be back in October because we've deferred me masters. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, you, you're back. I won't. <laughs> I'll move on. Uh, you'll be still be here in spirit. 
I will. I, I, I will always be there in spirit. But um, anyway, Hollywood, COVID. Uh, Hollywood versus Corona. It is arguably the burning topic right now since mm-hmm. Eon announced the delay of No Time to Die at the beginning of March. Everyone's been up in arms about the status of all the big movies going forward. And this week is arguably the turning point because Friday is, this Friday coming is the biggest test for the whole straight to home video debate. Mm. It's the biggest film that would have been playing cinemas, Trolls World Tour, Universal releasing that day and date on Friday. So this week, more than ever, is. The, bit, the best time to ask a question, does cinema have a future post-corona? Mm. Because there are a lot of films that have been delayed as a direct result of this. Uh, Sony have gone to offering rentals like Bloodshot, which we briefly discussed last week. Uh, that'll be out here at the start of June. Um, some of the major delays that were announced just this week include Wonder Woman 1984, which has been pushed to August, optimistic on Warner's part Black Widow has been pushed to November Top Gun's been pushed to December and A Quiet Place is set to open in September so everyone's getting their release slots in early Yeah, as someone who's been around the cinema industry thereabouts over the last couple of years they are about as worried as we are about mm. the virus Oh yeah, maybe for different reasons, but well, maybe, well, maybe yeah, I can understand that because the whole optimism. Because some the, the, the Disney are being very optimistic. They've held Mulan back to July thirty first, mm. but they're willing to take the risk of cinemas still being capped with the whole social distancing thing at fifty percent capacity. So they stand to lose a lot of money on Mulan, regardless of what happens. Yeah. It's it is weird. So it's like you say. Do do we have a cinema? Have um. I mean, I think the question is, how will cinema rebuild itself? Yeah, that is, that is the real question. I have virtually humble brag. I witnessed a cinema completely rebuild itself from scratch for years ago. Nice. Had to do it, uh, but I, I was speaking with management. Uh, or say temporary unemployed management the other day and they're not sure about when they're going to reopen. I was chatting with the general manager on Facebook the other day and he wants to get back in there. He really does want to get back in there. Hmm. Yeah, I think everyone's sort of like clawing at the walls at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, hang in there. But when, yeah, it's... When all of this kicked off... Um, because the cinema I go to is quite lucky it, it was a 500 seat cinema now mm. and they were all thinking because they were under 500 capacity they just run two free screens because they're the, the smaller screens are 53 seats each so it would have been within the guidelines before they really clamped down on things Yeah. Uh, but of course then I'm not going to name the company for fear of shaming the staff but then yeah. the higher ups in Chiswick, they know who they are uh, make a decision to shut the whole whole, whole chain down um, I mean, it's a good move because it, it doesn't matter how big the cinema is. If if you've got people there that are infected, it doesn't matter if you're like a 500 seat or a 5,000 seat, you're knackered. You know, all it takes is one person. And, um, you one know. person walking into print works would be game over. Yeah. 
But yeah, so it's really interesting because, like you say, everything's all been delayed, and they're and they're they're working out, you know, what, what the time slots are going to be. It's a very interesting time, I would say, because I, I guess the question is, what happens if we're not if if they can't make those time slots? Yeah. I think twenty twenty would be a really interesting year for cinema because it's going to have to really restructure and rethink itself. You know, the big ups are really going to have to think because the amount of movies that have been delayed, you can't fit them all in into the space of those few months that we've got left. You can't. Because you've also got movies that were meant to come. Screens as well. Yeah, you've already got stuff that's already committed to screens, so it's a case of what do you do? You can't push it back further because then you've got, you know, the the possibility that the um, hype train leaves. So which ones go direct to DVD and which ones goes to the big screen? Well, I think what we know for a fact that they are, Disney committed to putting the Marvel stuff out on a big screen. Oh, yeah. Mar- they, cannot, they cannot afford to put it on Disney+. Plus. They literally cannot afford to put it on Disney+, Plus at all. They, they want to milk that box office market as much as they can. Definitely. I mean, in this latest round of delays, I'm in my element. It's 2022 on my birthday. Captain Marvel 2 is coming out. So I've got to be a winner out of this. So I, know, I know what's anchoring the big birthday event in two years' time. Mm. Uh, but the real question now is how, yeah, as you mentioned, how, how, which films go to streaming, which films go on the big screen. I think it's going to be the big event films that get the big screen treatment. Let's have a look at the release schedule for 2020. And um, we can make a. We can make a game out of this. We can say um, DVD or box office. So, yes. okie dokie. So, we've had, where are we? So, we're on April, aren't we? Yes. Uh, yes. March. So, yeah. So, April the 3rd, you've got The Other Lamb and Slaver Drag there on video on demand. Yep. Uh, yep. Trolls World Tour's got on video on demand. Video on demand. And you've got Tiger Tail. Yeah, Hmm? Uh, Tiger Tail, that'll be streaming. Without- that'll be streaming on Netflix. And you've got My Spy, which is on video on demand. Sealer and Spades, Amazon, Sergio, Netflix, uh, April. Um, so it looks like they've already decided for what April is. Uh, because you've got the Beastie Boys stories at Apple Plus, Extractions on Netflix, Robert the Bruce video on demand, True History of the Kelly Gang video on demand. Robert the Bruce actually came out here last year. That was a big American release. Ah. Because there was a whole other with Cineworld last year. I covered that on Talking Smith, that film. Okay, fair enough. Let's have a quick look here and see. Okay, so assuming that everything is back on... It looks like they've stopped predictions on June the 19th. Because uh, you got June the 12th, June the 5th, I can't see anything there. It looks like the, uh, the, that's where they've been really hit by the pandemic shutdown. And uh, May the 15th, tw- May 22nd, pandemic shutdown as well. Yeah. And then on May the 29th, you've got Artemis Fowl, Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus, we are, has been confirmed. Yep, Irresistible, which seems to be a documentary. Uh, that, that is probably uh, streaming. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got the Green Knight and the Vast of and the Vast of Night. Those will be uh, on limited release. So on June nineteenth, we have uh, uh, Fatal. Uh, that- a married man is tricked into a murder scheme by a female police detective. I don't know I don't- how that one's going to play out. They, 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 they want to hope that is that is a film that would probably play independent cinemas more than it would at a multiplex. Yeah. 
because uh, on the 19th here, because I've got the, the app that the managers use, uh, the big release for the 19th of June I've got here is Disney Pixar's new film. Pixar Soul. Yeah. And they will, they've put Onward on Disney+, Plus, but that was mm. just to recoup some of that box office revenue they got because they opened the first week of the pandemic. Yeah. Pixar Souls is an interesting one. you got The Purge 5. Yeah, Purge is definitely going to get delayed. That'll get delayed. That's not that. Like, I, I didn't even know there was a Purge 4, if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, I remember. I, I think I oh, it's the final it... installment. Thank God. They're not going to do what Saw did and be like Saw Twenty Two. Oh, this time, it's really, 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 really personal. Um, Disney's Mulan. Mulan, that Mulan is dedicated to cinema. Yep. SpongeBob movie on the Sponge on the Run. That is also that confirmed is... cinema, as far as Ooh, I understand. My birthday as well. Yippee! Hope, um, hope they're open. Let's hope they're open. <laughs> And then you've got Wonder Woman 1984, which is your one. Yeah. Uh, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. I don't I'm see this going... I'm really excited about Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. The first one was a really cheesy film, and I like really cheesy films. <laughs> and it's Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. What's not to like? I know, right? I don't see this going past September, to be honest. So I, I think it's just going to be everything up until August 2020. It's really going to be up in the air. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on my app now. I can see September's looking pretty packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being optimistic, I don't see any cinemas opening until Black Widow's out. That's me being optimistic. Yeah. Because well, we're multiplexed at least, because they, they do not want to afford to take a risk. Definitely not. Because... Black Widow is November 6th, and then the week after that, No Time to Die comes out. So you've got two big films within the space of a week of each other. Mm-hmm. And then I know IMAX are very worried right now because they've got a lot of films that are committed to the premium screens. And on top of that, there is a Christopher Nolan film out. So they yeah. want to have those screens at le- ready for at least two weeks some point in the year. So it's going, to be, there's going to be a lot of tension within the exhibition side, within the distribution side, um, especially regarding that Nogan film, because as it currently stands, it is still on track for a July release, and yeah. they are really promoting maximum effect as the slogan for the film, i.e. see it on the biggest possible screen. <laughs> If it does not make July, that will be the biggest casualty of, of the lot because it will be moved to July next year. I know yeah. I know. Warner are very adamant to give that film a summer release because mm. it's, it's A, it's a Christopher Nolan film, which doesn't come around that often. B, no. it's IMAX. And C, they want to get actual film prints ready. And that takes forever nowadays. Yeah, Tenon doesn't come out. That's not the start currently. Uh, it is right. uh, July, the week the week the UCLan graduations would have been. Yeah. So if that doesn't, you, you are right, and then hopefully it'll blow over by then. Because if not, that's going to be a huge casualty, and someone's going to have to pay for that, financially speaking. Uh, and Nolan films are not cheap. This one could <laughs> get at least two hundred million dollars at a push. Yeah. I mean, that, that, before after No Time to Die, that was the film I was the most excited about this year. Because mm. I'm a huge Nolan fan. Yeah, understandable. 
Uh, but but. Uh, it is going to be a real case of we're just going to sit and watch and wait for the dominoes to fall. Some of the more optimistic news, um, they are starting to date the films that were indefinitely pushed back. Uh, I think it was the other day Ryan Reynolds announced that Free Guy, his video game film, that will be out December 11th, I think. That looks actually reasonably okay. Yeah, from what I've seen, it looks looks quite promising. It could be a surprise hit. I think going for the Christmas slot might help them a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, something something nice and, and cheerful to brighten the moods of everyone up after all this is gone. Yeah, and we've all recovered from our hangovers from the street party. It is still pretty surreal because they released some new uh, trailers and clips. It is mm. still surreal to not have the word Fox in the 20th Century Fox logo anymore. Hmm. I'm, I still can't get used to that. I know it's been, what, like two years since they closed the deal. Yeah. I, I, I just can't unsee it. It's like, it, it should say 20th Century Fox. It should say Fox Searchlight. I get why they've done it, to differentiate themselves from the other Fox. Yeah. The, the Murdoch one. But I'm, I'm just like, no, you, you're messing with history. I know it was originally called 20th Century Studios to begin with, but still... Yeah, because you grew up with it, didn't you? You grew up with it. You watched those those um, br- those brilliant opening titles. Dun, da, da, dun, da, I've kept the fan photo. I'm happy about that. Which yeah, which is great. But the, you would always see some like you know 20th Century Searchlight or something or 20th Century Fox. So it is a massive change. Uh, it's just one we're going to have to get used to. Yes. Although saying that, I know they have done 4K restorations of the Star Wars films. It'd be pretty <laughs> hilarious if on the new ones they put the 20th Century Studios on before it to do it properly. Do it properly yeah. as Lucas intended. Yeah. Oh, uh, another re-release of Star Wars. When will it end? Well, they, they, yeah, they did, they did technically do the re-release on Disney Plus, and they did. From what I've heard, they've done some tweaks to get it. I don't have access to Disney Plus here because, quite frankly, if you're watching a rip ticket stream, you can see why. Um, but um, I, I, I get why they're really shitting the hell out of Disney Plus right now. They did the whole. Uh, reduced price for a year thing in the build-up to launch. Uh, it literally came at the right time for British audiences. A lot of people uh, <laughs> were really, really happy about the fact that, uh, that it launched the day after everything kicked off. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 can, I can understand the appeal of it. I can, mm-hmm. I can understand why Disney Plus is a thing. But I'm all for collecting the physical media because what if your internet goes down? What if they actually pull things because of rights issues? Well, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? You, you see all, all these programs that are online. Yeah, but there's so many things that could go wrong that would stop you from getting those programs. Whereas I've got like my DVD shelf here, and then you've got your DVD collection. We built it into the studio. Yeah, well, that's not going nowhere. We that's can. That's not going nowhere. It's all digitised on a four terabyte hard drive, just off shot as well. So you know you can you can you can watch those and 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 play them whenever you want. So, but saying that though, it has been a long time since DVD. Yeah, I mean, That's crazy. I've I've been I've been researching things for a for an internal project here at lejacksmith.com. Uh, it has been eight years since Netflix launched in the UK, and you can sort of see how how everything has changed. Yeah, they have better they have better quality. Uh, for one, yeah, yeah, not not just that. I can from because again, I've, I've no, I've seen the industry evolve from the first hand. The way mm. cinemas have adapted as well. 
you know, really going all in marketing wise on a on a big screen standpoint. Uh, with the amount of refurbishments they've been doing, the amount of rebrands they've been doing, I remember, God, five years ago now, I went went to watch mm. Spectre down at yeah. the local view, and I walk in and suddenly I was there like a week before. Everything in 4A had changed. All of the branding had changed. All of the on-screen assets had changed. They weren't proclaiming that they were the future of cinema anymore. They were just focusing on three things. Seat, screen, sound. Yeah. And the way they, the way they did that, they really made sure people did as they told in the screens because the one thing I remember is they had a big booming voice of Mark Strong telling people to get off their phones. <laughs> it worked every time. And it, it's only just now that they've changed it. Mm. We've, we've got John Boyega doing that now. And if you do go on your phones when you're in the cinema and you do disturb people, there is a special place waiting, by the way. Or it's literally, or it's literally tomorrow night's journal. Stay off your bloody phones, people. They, they literally tell people to sit back, relax, and get lost yeah. in the big screen experience. The people that go to a nightclub and check their Facebook, it's like, uh, you could have done that at home. Yeah. Yeah, nightclub, dance, drink. You know, you're a cinema. Watch, eat, enjoy. And, get off and your phone, stop checking that, the Facebook that. people. Some cinemas now have got bold. In an attempt to deter anti-piracy, they've put night vision cameras in some of the screens. Nice. Because that used to be a really big thing. People like videotaping it, putting it on Daily Motion or other other um, video sites that compete with YouTube. Yeah. Uh, it sometimes goes night vision feeds are quite hilarious because, again, I know the set the local view. There's a little monitor right next to where you go into the screens that shows you the, the feeds of the cameras. And we've seen some pretty funny sights on that, on that little screen. Oh, yeah, I, I bet. Half years. Oh, I bet. Yeah, there yeah. was one incident which we can't go into on a PG-rated podcast. Yeah. Uh, but we have caught people doing, doing things. During the history of all films. Oh, uh, what? Yep, empty screen one, just them, no idea of the cameras, general manager and, ha- and one of the CIs had to go in and kick him out. What makes it particularly brutal, I was in the next film in that screen. Ew. But not in the same seat. I Are literally, I literally said to the guys, "Look, stay in during the adverts and make sure you give, give, it, give the whole screen a good clean." I'm not first. I'm the only one in this showing. But hereditary of all the films you're going to go in to see, and and do that, do it in hereditary. Is, is, like that is. I mean, this is a horror film, and there's. It, it, there's some really gruesome scenes in this film. Mm. And you do, and that's the film they chose. That is the film they chose because they knew ah, it They knew it would be dead, apparently. Based on what, what the staff told me afterwards, they knew it would be dead. And luckily, I wasn't in a showing of Hereditary afterwards. Uh, Sicario 2 was the next film on in that screen. Mm. And. Even then, we were all like, how are we going to explain this one to the guys coming on for the close this evening? They missed mm. out on some peak banter in there. Oh, I bet they did. But still, that is, that's grim. Yeah, there have been some interesting moments from, from my time in that place over the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, what, what other funny moments that kind of provide what nothing. the cinema experience is all about? I've got nothing because I just used to go in and watch the films go out. That's it. 
boring. That was me until some of you got befriended me. Gail Gitchin are the only ones who can turn a two-hour film into a whole evening, because again, I go into uh, a certain fast food chain which was open three weeks ago, but it's closed now, uh, to really? go up and write reviews. And yeah. it got to a point where they were literally coming to me and asking me, hey, Jack, what was the film like? What was the film like? God bless. I, go, go, after Endgame finished. Uh, who was it? I think it was the duty manager and the guys who were coming on for the mid-afternoon. Mm. They all they all popped into the screen to sort of check I was enjoying the film, and I was like, please, just, just stand and go back at the screen. By the way, I want to have my mind focused on the film here. Yeah. Uh, but when I came out afterwards, I was like, wow. Mm. Everyone was speechless. And then they all said, yeah, we seen it on Monday, actually. We seen it on Monday. And this was, this was the first day the film was out. We all seen it on Monday. I was like, how? I was like, oh, the staff show. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Perks of the job, that. Perks of the job. Yeah, they are. I, I, I have been invited to some of the staff showings, but they seem to put them on ridiculously late at night. Yeah. Like, they, they literally get their own yeah. midnight showings sometimes. That's fair, though, if you did a midnight shift. A midnight shift? <laughs> Damn, some of the clothes they do is 3am they close on some nights. Yeah. In fact, for be... Last Jedi, they were open literally every hour of the day. It's crazy, that. They've not done it since because the guy who enacted that policy, well, to put it simply, buggered off of the West End. I just thought it was because the last show was that bad. Uh, no, no, because uh, it, no, was, it, was, it was the, the, uh, the first, first major film that came out after the refurbishment. So they had an excuse. But then again, the guy who put all of that into place. Two weeks after he put the schedules in, Henry mm. said, said to him, do you want to become the manager at the West End? And he took it. Fair play. Fair play. Uh, Tom got a lucky gig there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the cinema experience is quite simply unmatched. I think, because I've got, I've got a full 5.1 setup here. It's good, but I'm missing my recliners. I'm missing my overpriced cup of Earl Grey, <laughs> which they put up an extra 5p for some reason. It's 220 now. Damn you, capitalism! Damn you, Starbucks. They, don't, they control the prices for, for my lot. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I've got a really special movie, though, waiting. I'm waiting for the right moment to put it in and watch it. It's probably going to be with the crowd. I still haven't watched it. Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Oh, yes. I, back in the day, you kept saying you wanted to put on a showing of it at some point. I did, and they wouldn't let me because of copyright issues. Oh. It's damn near impossible to get theatrical rights here in the UK unless your name's the Prince Charles Cinema. I know. The only place in the UK that shows it, uh, the Prince Charles Cinema in London. Which is place. one of the best independent cinemas in the UK, without question. I need to go to one. For those of you that don't know about Tommy White, sit down, shut up, and listen, because you are missing you an education. Out. Oh, my God. So... First off, like the room is a really special movie because it is bad, but it is bad in a way that it sort of goes around the pond and comes back into good territory. Mm. And it's so brilliant that it has the showings on the Prince Charles Theatre, 
It has been called the Citizen Kane of Bad Movies. There has been a movie based on the making of the movie, which was called The Disaster Artist, which, which was based on the book by um, uh, one of the co-stars, Greg Tetro. And there's also been an unofficial a video game adaption on Newgrounds as well, called The, the Rush Game. Yes. Yes. Play it before Play December it before. 2020, because killing Flash. <laughs> Shame, um, but the whole movie itself—it's it, it, about a guy called Johnny who is a successful banker. He lives in a San Francisco townhouse with his fiance Lisa, and Lisa's become dissatisfied with their relationship, so she, she seduces her best, uh, his best friend Mark, and they begin a secret affair. Meanwhile, Johnny um, is is going about oblivious, and it's essentially how this love affair completely demolishes the relationship and it, it was originally meant to be a book it was originally meant to be a play it was then uh, adapted into film so that he could have creative control um, over it and he produced it himself and when you watch this movie it <laughs> I can't even put into words the experience of watching this movie. I showed it to a bunch of people and they were all laughing at it. And then one of them was like, is this actually a real And I was like, oh, yeah, it was real. It got a cinematic release and everything. Yeah. It, is a box, it is a budget of $6 million. And it's an urban it's myth a... as to how he got the money. <laughs> um, entrepreneurship and real estate, because I think they, they found um, it, it was a Greg Sestro who, who told them um, but he, he saved up the money uh, for entrepreneurship and real estate development and then he spent the entire six million budget for the room on production and marketing it was um, relatively expensive because many of the cast and crew had to be replaced mostly because YSO made poor decisions over and over again during filming that unnecessary inflated the budget he built not just that he he made the ultimate rookie error he but he basically shot the film twice because he had a 35 millimeter camera and digital camera side yeah. by side so it is the only film that exists on 35 and digital so mm. that made the remastering for blu-ray a little bit easier and he also and and, and several things happened well for him uh, Wasso forgot his lines over and over again and yeah, his place yeah. resulted in minutes long dialogue sequences taking hours or days to shoot and it caught and his actions caused costs to skyrocket it, 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 like the movie itself is just is it, I think to say it's the citizen Kane of bad movie is accurate mm. the room is just an abysmal movie but it is made the thing is though like you got bad movies and you can tell that these bad movies were do you know what bad i've lost control of the movie i don't have the option of taking a um a unnamed credit anymore because they've, they've taken out that haven't they what's the name that they use uh, alan smithy they've yeah. taken out yeah. the alan smithy rule now which is a real shame because alan smithy is the best director ever and um as a result you know they, they they go with their movies and they just release them and they just hope they don't they, that, that, that that they just don't bomb too hard and you can and you watch these movies and these movies see that the director doesn't give a damn in the room it's you can tell Tommy Wasso gives work and he puts in such a crazy performance he's like a cheesy actor that nobody he doesn't know he's being cheesy 
who believes he's been the Shakespearean monolith yeah, of an actor. Yeah. Um, and when you watch the movie, there's so many quotable bits in it, mostly. I know what's coming. coming. Oh man, you don't know what's coming because I can't, I can do so many. Oh, you do the things where the bit where he's. <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking on my own fanboyism. <laughs> you could do the bit, for example, where he goes onto the rooftop with. Yes, that's exactly what we're saying. After, after he's being told, people have told him, oh, you've been beating your girlfriend. And he's like, it's I not. I did not. not. I did not. Or oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> in just the same breath and then of course you've got the bit where he's like you are tearing me apart Lisa yes, I just delivered with such enthusiasm and let's not forget of course the other this, the script is just an absolute train wreck yeah. from start to finish we've got inappropriate reactions to jokes about hookers being beaten we've got the, the worst yeah. Yeah. reaction to breast cancer in the history of movies yep yep we have Johnny in his make-believe job where we, we still don't know what he does he's just an investment banker at a good place a big bank oh the room and I have not yet watched it on this DVD I've watched it before um uh, for other copies of DVDs and stuff but I've never owned a copy of my own and um you know I, I, I've, I've got it on DVD I'm just waiting for the right time yeah to release yeah. it um on the world I'd love to do like a watch party but I'm looking at it now and and, and it's like even the DVD quality is just terrible you've got all three of them. You've got Tommy Wasso, Greg Sestro, and uh, the girl who plays Lisa What's-Her-Face. She's the one that always gets forgotten. Juliette Danielle. Yes. All of them looking directly at the camera, just with dramatic expression. TheRoomMovie.com. Still updated Still to this update. day, apparently. Yeah, well, he's done several other films as well. Yeah, he did Best, oh. best Friends with Sestro a couple of years back. He, did, he wants to make a two-part film with him. Yeah. I don't know if the second part is ever going to get released. I I, I, I know part I know one, part but I've seen massive release. How can you release part two of the room? It, like the ends, it's a pretty definitive ending. Well, yeah, well, well he's yeah, still well, working he's still with Sestro. That is the important thing. It was reportedly, well, it was all, but it was truly they fell out big time after the film, and then after it became the success that it became, they made. Mm. They're working together again. They're doing Q and A's, which is, which is really yeah. good. And, and, if get, screenings. and if you get a DVD, you get a lovely card who looks like he's just woken up early in the morning. And then if you turn that card over, you'll never guess this. You'll never guess what his side venture is. Oh, what is... Oh, is this... Oh, I've... Ignoring uh, Tommy Wiseau, this is going to be quite bold. Yep, it's Tommy Wiseau underwear. <laughs> Shut up! No, nope, I'm looking at the card as we speak. Uh, if you if you take the, it, it, uh, where are we? There we go. I don't know if you can see it. I'll have to get your stream up on my end. Uh, Tommy, uh, uh, I'll take a picture of it and I'll put it on the end um, the film. Uh, yeah, TommyWiseo.com. Tommy Wiseo underwear, ninety five percent cotton, five percent elastic. Um, oh this is, God, uh, on his website now. 
underwear and sportswear, all rights reserved, and he's and it, it's here, and he's and he's included that in his DVD. And he's actually and he's selling combos selling com- of underwear and Blu-ray copies of the room. <sighs> do you know what I would do? Right, seriously up in a tuxedo and i would legit wear a pair of his underwear on the outside of the tuxedo superman style <laughs> and then you'll go to the prince charles and watch it at one of the screenings he's like people ask and then we go this is this is like i got this from tommy wise so this is tommy wise so like why front my good sir because when i the chances of actually joining some of you are a lot higher than it would be <laughs> I, I don't want that Tommy Wiseau anywhere near my wife fronts. Tommy, sign my job strap. No, oh, um, oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's so that's how that's how amazing Tommy Wiseau is as a, as a director. He's like, and listen to some of these scene um, these scene di- these di- descriptions as well. And obviously, scene descriptions. They've got to have um, a very snappy title, don't they? Yeah. Like explosions in the bank, or I don't know, Cap's Last Stand. So we've got here scene one main titles. Scene three, Denny wants to watch. Oh yeah. Scene oh, yeah. four, Johnny and Lisa's love scene. Oh. Scene twenty-five, Johnny, Peter, and Mark talking. You know what? That's going to be the next episode. We're going to do a... Yeah, we're definitely doing... We're doing a... We're doing a... Making a... Making a... Making a... Non-existent executive power. We're going to do a room special yeah, next week on the Rip Ticket Show. We will be discussing the life and times of Tommy Wiseau. I have his book, The Disaster Eyes. I will flick through that. I'll put down my copy of the Gulag Archipelago, and I'm going to read that that, that book again because that is an incredible book. And we will be talking about the room and. Seriously, watch it. If you've not watched it before, watch it. And if you haven't watched it by next week, it's fine. Yeah, so I think, because I've got my cardboard here, let's go old school. I've got the old rating scale from the radio show. So for all of you who are new to the Rip Ticket show, we began life as a radio radio show show. where we reviewed movies. Mm -hmm. Um, We began life. I tell you what, we began in IO Radio. Began in in Ipswich. Shout out to Ed Barnes, um, who is one of the greatest DJs you'll ever hear. And um, it started off. There was a there was a guy who did it. He was called Sam. He brought his, his people in, and then there was the um, and then there was other hosts before that as well. It started off as an IO radio show, yeah. And then I took over it because uh, I wanted to try being a film critic. Loved it. Still do. Love being a film media critic, and it got an award for the best show, you know, for IO radio. Brought it to the university. Jack is now taking over it, and I pop in occasionally. So that's quite like a quick rip ticket story. Uh, but on the radio show, when Dan came on board, he adopted a rating scale because you can't see or hear star ratings on the radio, and it was quite a simple rating system. Yeah. Ranging from top to bottom, masterpiece, go out and see it now, should be watched, worth a watch, wait for the DVD, and not worth watching. I yeah. think The Room is definitely a real go-out-and-see-it-now film. I think it's a masterpiece. Oh, All wrong reasons. Let me, let me re-cue that up. Uh, yeah. The Room is a masterpiece. It is. It is a masterpiece in cinema. Because... Because he put his heart and soul into it. Yes, bad. There are, everything's a bad this movie. But you can tell that it was done with the best of intentions. And sadly, Tommy Wiseau, he did what every other director does when he makes one of these movies, is he tried to remake 
will redo the same thing and you can't make a Terabad movie. A Terabad movie, you can't make it. Um, it has to be, it has to flow naturally from the movie. Um, you know, it, it's it's like Ed Woods. Ed, Ed Woods, who was like one of the best directors for these sort of movies. He used to make really terrible movies. And the same could be said for Uwe Boll as well, who made terrible oh. video games. I these video make, games made a fake, fake advert, advert for this podcast about Uwe Boll. Hmm? I literally made, I literally in made the same vein as our Michael Bay explosion skit from last week, I did an advert for a fake Uwe Boll masterclass in filmmaking. Oh, man. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Cryptic sponsor will be next week. Last week it was Michael Bay explosions. In fact, we might actually play it out to close the podcast for our live viewers. Well, we've only got five minutes to go, so... So yeah, stay tuned next, for that. But yeah, we're definitely going to be doing a room so special. special. Let's, let's do that. I mean, we're looking for a direction for this podcast. Why don't we just talk about directors? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean... Because we, because there's no there's new no films new coming, films coming in, in for us to watch. To watch. Yeah, man, well, let's just talk about directors. Archive. Yeah, man, talk about our directors. I say the first two episodes are Tommy Marceau and Uwe Boll. Yeah. Yeah. You can talk about Uwe Boll all day. I could yeah, I'll, I'll let you unload on Uwe Boll because you know more about it than I do. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I only watch the good watch stuff. The good stuff. Check the- out Uwe Boll. Check out all these movies. I would honestly recommend because they are that trash. Mm. But they are trash in the sense, again, Uwe Boll put his heart and soul into What made Uwe Boll movies terrible weren't the movies. It was just Uwe Boll and his attitude. Unfortunately, yeah. now when the German laws have changed, now he can't make his movies, so he's like crashed and burned. But when you he's watch his movies the again, only man who has boxed his critics for real. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah, we'll talk about that on the. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's a good plan. Yep. So yeah. you basically now know what the uh, direction of the Rip Ticket Podcast going forward is, with the occasional bit of chat about current events going on. Yeah, baby. But we are one hundred percent doing a Tommy Wiseau special. Yep. We are one hundred percent doing this because uh, the room is a film we could easily go into a lot of detail. Of detail. Definitely. Uh, so uh, we're coming up to the end of this week. Uh, we've got like, another three, three and a half minutes. Well, I'm going to say my goodbyes because well, I think we're... so. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll do the usual administration stuff in that case. Then, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you're watching it live, the audio will be on your favourite podcast providers later this evening. Uh, you can find us on social media: facebook.com forward slash rip ticket show, twitter.com forward slash ripped underscore ticket. Uh, you can find me at leejacksmith.com where a lot of content is going to be going out over the next couple of days. Uh, some big relaunch this week, uh, including a brand new episode of my YouTube series, The Journal, looking at another terrible movie, uh, Roger Gosnell's Show Dogs. It was bad. And yes, we are covering that scene, uh, which we can't really discuss on a PG product. No. Uh, the scene which got cut because mum's first about it. Oh, dear. Yeah, it was uh, one of those sort of films. Uh, so that goes out tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Of course, you got a Rip Ticket podcast, uh, Talking Smith about film. My other podcast will be returning live this week. This is like a little test run for me, see if I can do live podcasts, and it's work. So I can say Talking Smith about film is going live every week now, which is uh, which is awesome. So I'm a multimedia man, once again. Didn't think I'd be doing this soon. 
yeah. but yep, yeah, uh, rip tickets all go. Uh, you can watch the on demand of the live stream whenever you want on the Facebook page. Uh, until next week, he's been Dan Carver. And he's been Jack Smith. This has been a Rip Ticket podcast, and we will see you at the movies. Take care now. Take Bye. it easy. Bye. Bye.